Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The border is the biggest issue in America, and I've only said so a million times, and no matter what else is going on, I'm going to keep saying so. The border is the biggest issue in the U.S. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The border is it. I don't think there's another way to engage the conversation. If we take a look, if we take a look, If we take a look at the conversation regarding Israel, if we take a look at the conversation regarding China, no matter where you look, it has a result to the southern border. It has an effect on how all of us live in every single way. And yet we have a Congress that still does nothing. I, I sometimes refer to it as, as, as stalemate. Well, stalemate would mean that there's somehow an attempt to try and do something. Where's even the attempt? Senator Mike Braun joins me right now from Indiana, candidate for governor in Indiana as well. He was just at the border. He was saying to me, Tony, I had to get up early and and go to bed late yesterday, which is, you know, it's it's how Americans do it, sir. Uh, that's the way that works. Uh, you were just there. First of all, which sector were you in? And, and talk to me about what you saw. So I was in Maverick County, uh, Eagle Pass. Uh, 28,000 people live in Eagle Pass. And so you understand the border. Uh, you got the Rio Grande area, the Del Rio area. And Texas is the only place actually pushing back. Now, Governor Abbott's done a heck of a job. And that's a long border stretch from the Gulf over to El Paso. And now, percentage-wise, more crossings are occurring, and I didn't know that until yesterday, in New Mexico, Arizona, and California, because legislatures and governors are basically lined up with uh, our fearless leader, Biden. So, uh it is most stark when you look at two and a half years ago when I was there with about 16 other senators, Cornyn and Cruz organized that. Go back to the final months of Trump administration, 15 to 20,000 crossings. It, when you put out the open border sign, got rid of the stay in Mexico policy, did everything to reverse what was working. It ticked up in the first few months to 50, 60, 70,000. Now it's 200,000 a month, and there's a category called gotaways of 60,000. These aren't asylum seekers. These are people from the over now 150 nationalities that come in that don't want to be caught. Like the one that was nabbed in the Northern County from Maverick about six months ago as a gotaway, released to the custody of his family, he was driving the vehicle with five smuggled immigrants uh, and that ran into a couple from Georgia, eight people killed. Yesterday, uh, got earlier that morning, some folks coming in from Florida to help. One of the young men had to jump off the airboat to save a toddler that was gonna drown. It is pure triage, no enforcement, and it's all due to the Biden administration saying, no borders, we don't mind it, we think it's gonna benefit us politically. Well, it's, 
you know, when we discuss the border in, in a lot of ways, there there's plenty of blame to go uh, around. Let, let's start with Joe Biden. Of course, there was a move from the House of Representatives to impeach uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. That failed. You had a series of uh, Republicans, which I have uh, jokingly had them referred to as the placate eight, uh, I believe is what has been said, say they're not going uh, to, to do this. Ken Buck uh, of Colorado and some others uh, uh, among them. Is is this something that you would have favored the impeachment of Mayorkas as a way of uh, stating that it is indeed the Biden administration that that has to take the top line blame here of what we're seeing? Either resign or be impeached. It's a dereliction of duty. And for Ken and the other seven, the placate eight, uh, they're then agreeing with condoning what Biden and all Democrats are interested in doing. And it begs the question, you mentioned it earlier, why isn't Congress doing anything? Well, you got the eight there that would not make it doable, maybe on any type of border security. If they're leaning that direction to where they think Mayorkas is okay, that means they're probably not gonna be part of that few that you could, uh, you can't lose many to have it pass in the House. And I can tell you, there's not one Democrat on the Senate side, maybe other than a Joe Manchin, that would be interested in doing it. You need 60 senators. So therefore, Congress can't do anything. That gives Biden free reign to not enforce anything, to condone what the current situation is. That's the pickle we're in. Hopefully that gets litigated next November. But, I, you know, we, you know, we, I, I don't disagree that Biden is the issue, but we can clearly see that as, as a matter of sheer politics, uh, the left and the right have failed on the border and have failed on the border uh, for for years. So is, is the problem uh, the Republicans and an unwillingness to bring a strategy or is the problem the Democrats and an unwillingness to care about what happens at the border because the issue is better than a solving of the issue? The problem, uh, probably pre, I'm not sure when it would be, definitely pre-Biden, you had Democrats that were interested in border security just to protect wages. And somewhere prior to the Biden administration, I don't think that was all cooked up just when he got elected, things changed in terms of the political calculation. And that was due to the fact that the border issue was just of normal complication. How do you do things for folks already here? Uh, What do you do with work visas? Those were practical things that were done, uh, not done simply because of the malaise of this place. Now it's gotten more complicated because we can't get to 60 senators. And that's because the calculation has changed. There's almost every Republican in the Senate other than the few in the House that you mentioned that may be siding with Democrats to where we'd be for it, then you run into 60 senators. You could have gotten 60 senators seven, eight, nine, ten years ago together. You had groups working on it, but never did they think it would catapult to cascade towards where one side was purely for open borders. So now it's more untenable than what it was with the normal malaise we had to where they just couldn't get together because it was a tricky issue. The idea that the Democratic Party is fine with open borders, is that political talk? 
Meaning, is 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 that the the position of the party, or is that the position of the progressives who seem to have other Democrats scared? Because Henry, I, I don't mean to interrupt to answer my own question. Henry Cuellar, Democrat who's on in in those border towns, he's been strong as hell about the border. So I'm asking for a better definition, sir. So one of uh, two hundred and some. I don't hear anybody else other than him. He's in the place where all the action is. So he's obviously hearing that from his constituents. No, I think it goes deep through the party now. Uh, otherwise, speak up. Uh, when I say one senator, I think that would buck what Biden wants to do. Uh, Pelosi never, when she had the gavel, was talking about uh, doing something that would be other than the policies that have been in place since Biden has been president, they've coalesced around that. So they're going to wear that albatross around their neck and they're going to have to deal with it politically. And I think that with a weakening economy, a sugar high one that we've had over the last two and a half years, that's given us inflation, huge debt. Those are going to be big issues that they can't run away from. We need to be faster footed and articulate it better. Talking to Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, Republican candidate for governor uh, in in Indiana, just spent some time uh, at the border. Let me push back on you for a moment. And let's talk about uh, the Republicans, because I do not know if you could get America to say, oh, yeah, the Republicans want to do this, 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 this and this or one of those. This is that I just mentioned. Where's the policy is is the Senate. While you're there, uh, you know, you're not running for re-election in the Senate. You're running for, for governor. Is the Senate ever going to make a move to at least make this issue the most front and center thing in America? I'll agree. Not only on the border. We have been in defensive mode probably since the great society days. And I disagree with our own leadership. We can't rely on the courts to undo stuff we don't like. When we didn't like Obamacare, we should have been for reforming the healthcare industry. Well, leadership said, don't mess with it. Look at the mess we've got there as well. And until recently, Tony, I have not seen 41 Republicans agree that the southern border is an issue. That happened just about a month ago to where that now has been elevated to more importance in my opinion, than any of the supplemental aid packages that leadership would generally like to get them all across the finish line. So that dynamic has changed. Whether we'll really do something with it, whether that takes some type of house cleaning through another election, who knows? But that was a change in dynamic that I observed just about a month ago to where the southern border has now been elevated to a more important level, take care of our own national security there than trying to police the world and guarantee helping them borrowing the money, every penny of it. That's a difference that just has occurred. And hopefully we'll run with that over the next month and make some headway with it. Does does anybody believe that our problem with the border is that we're not willing to put enough money to it? I mean, are we not willing to put enough money to it? The amount of money that the Trump administration was putting towards it, having big results, was chump change compared to the tens and hundreds of billions that have been spent on all other kinds of escapades here. It won't cost that much. That's not the issue. 
and it can be paid for. Thank goodness Mike Johnson finally put a spending bill out there, aid to Israel, that has a pay for. That's a different dynamic. I've never heard that out of Senate leadership. So maybe something is changing. Otherwise, shame on us. They've been rolling us for decades. Something has got to change there. As as you see it, uh, you're there at the border talking with Border Patrol, uh, taking a look at things. What are they telling you right now? The biggest issue at the border is fill in the blank, sir. 24 sheriffs uh, get a hold of me in the Indiana Sheriff's Association asking to go down to the border with them. That means our own state and every other state is like that is now feeling the consequences of it. It is pitiful when you talk to Sheriff Schmerber in Maverick County, the county where Eagle Pass is, where the focus of the cartels now would be, it's the weakest link, 13 deputies. This is a county the size of a small hunk of Indiana. Uh, they are in full helpless and nearly hopeless mode. And they're just asking for anything in terms of the federal government changing. Biden is doing nothing. If it wasn't for Greg Abbott, at least shipping people to Chicago and New York, finally now the sanctuary city folks, the people that have been condoning all this are weighing in. And I think that is going to maybe move in a direction that hurts the open border policy too between now and then. They just are in triage. Uh, a, a state uh, a trooper from Florida helping them had to jump off an airboat yesterday to save a toddler. Uh, the people coming across the border there, they were on call constantly having to go out to help the border patrol just in the short time we were there. It is untenable. Uh, something's got to give. They're just on the front line of it. Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, Republican candidate for governor in Indiana. I appreciate taking the time. I'm Tony Katz, uh, and I will I will tell you, uh, uh, Senator, um, there there is clearly enough blame uh, to go around. Uh, but I'd be curious before I let you go: Is there anything, any conversation happening in the halls of Congress anywhere, no matter in what deep dark recesses? that make you go, possibly something could happen that's worthwhile. Like, I mean, I'm grasping here. I get it. So currently, and we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, there's more interest among Republicans and Democrats on the supplemental aid packages, Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. But I think now if the House holds its ground that the southern border will be the first thing that we attend to, and maybe something will get done there. The president still would have to sign it. I doubt that that will occur. So that means it's gonna be more of the same. But around this place, nothing happens quickly. And this should be litigated between now and next November in a way that the American public are loud and clear about it. Yeah, we're not, this is, this is far from quickly, sir. Far from quickly. <laughs> Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, a Republican candidate for governor in Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today.
These Israeli hostages were kidnapped in their homes by barbaric Hamas terrorists for simply being Jewish and living in Israel. As Prime Minister Netanyahu says so well, this is a fight between good and evil, between light and darkness, between civilization and barbarism. barbarism. The calls for a ceasefire are outrageous. That's Speaker Mike Johnson at the rally to support Israel in Washington, D.C., over 100,000 people strong. I don't know what kind of press coverage it's going to get. You can imagine how little, but it was uh, uh, Joni Ernst, senator from Iowa, Chuck Schumer, Senate uh, Majority Leader, the Speaker, Mike Johnson, and the House Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries. Each one of them with clarity that would make the squad very angry. There is the, the Democratic Party has to do something about the Jew haters in its ranks. They, it, it, is, it is their responsibility. And they need to be kept to that. The idea that, oh, it's only some of them. Well, it's only some of the uh, Trump supporters who decided to uh, go into the Capitol on January 6th. Why do you claim that everybody who supports Trump is this terrible, awful person? It seems, seems like a horrible thing to do. A terrible thing to do. Why do we allow that? Doesn't seem like something we should allow. You, you want to... Uh, claim that it's not all of you? Okay. Well, I didn't do anything wrong on January 6th. I'm not the bad guy. So why why are we uh, doing this to ourselves? Why do we allow these conversations to take place? We should not. What we should do is wonder exactly how many people are going to cover this uh, story. How many people are going to talk about it? And its importance. And to show that there is, is support. It's, it's not the only thing going on right now. There is a series of things happening right now. There was this. Uh, this was uh, over at, uh, I forget where this was. Um, how DEI doesn't work. And how now that you have rolled this out so completely um, on uh, on uh, college campuses, this diversity, equity, and inclusion, it doesn't make things better. It doesn't make things stronger. It doesn't make things smarter. It doesn't make people, you know, uh, live better lives. It, it is pure, unadulterated hate. And that's the only thing that it has ever built. The only thing that it has ever done is created more hate, fostered more anger. That's all it could ever do. And it's a discussion about how DEI has, on college campuses, canceled free speech, threatened free speech, and how these bias response teams are the ones who are biased. That this is as Soviet-style a, did you use the wrong word? Did you use the wrong phrase? Hmm, how can we punish you? As anything else out there. And I'm glad to see more people talking about it. 
Now we need to see more people ripping it out by the root. Meanwhile, Trump goes to see the UFC and the cheering is off the charts. But what does it mean? I'll get into that. This is Tony Katz today. didn't get a lot of coverage that Trump showed up at a UFC event in New York, Ultimate Fighting Championship. We're, we're, we're talking about um, mixed martial arts. Shows up at this event in New York, and the place goes absolutely crazy. Goes nutty. He shows up. First of all, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on? He shows up with Kid Rock, with uh, um, uh, Dana White, of course, uh, who who is the UFC, and Tucker Carlson. Oh, okay. That is a group of people. So you got Kid Rock's American badass that's going uh, through uh, Madison Square Garden, and he walks in. People went nuts and nutty. Everyone except Bill Burr's wife, who uh, flashed Trump uh, the middle finger using both hands. <laughs> and people are like, what is wrong with her? Ah, is this proof of the overwhelming popularity of Donald Trump? Maybe amongst the UFC faithful. And Madison Square Garden holds a whole bunch of people. But it's not the country. And every time I bring up Trump, I get the people who are like, you're too nice to Trump. You're clearly uh, just a, a Trump humper in Trump's camp. I, I, I don't know what they, 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 they talk like that. And then the other side is, you're not good enough to, to Donald Trump. You hate Donald Trump. Why are you such a never Trumper? It's It's both. Doesn't matter what the subject is. If I bring up Trump, I get both things. Because people hear what they want to hear. People want what they want, and they are desperate to have their own thoughts uh, be, uh, be codified. They want their thoughts to be recognized as correct and valuable. It's the other guy who's the problem. When you bring up Trump's poll numbers... It's because it's happening. I never believe just one poll. I don't. I, I, I don't. And as I've told you many times, I'm not buying into this idea that Trump is up by 40 in, in Iowa. Well, it's 40 nationally. It's, it's 30 in Iowa. I want to see what it is that Iowa actually provides. I'll wait until the caucus. Don't deny what the number says. Well, the number is just there to get people believe that Trump is inevitable. I've literally said I don't believe it. But I don't deny what the numbers are saying. Two things are happening. And I do expect people to join me at my level and go along with me. And the vast majority of people can do it. Some people, they're desperate. Desperate for the anger. Those people are weird to me. I don't understand why that is now the people who buy into the polls oh trump is inevitable everybody loves trump look how they uh, treat him at, at the ufc event 
what to make of the speech on Veterans Day where he referred to people as vermin. We pledge to you that we will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists, and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country that lie and cheat and steal on elections. They'll do anything, whether legally or illegally, to destroy America and to destroy the American dream. He went on, uh, the threat from from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within. Our threat is from within, because if you have a capable, competent, smart, tough leader, Russia, China, North Korea, they're not going to want to play with us. Now, the use of the term vermin, the idea of otherizing your political opponent and uh, connecting them to, to animals, to insects, that dehumanization has long been a problem. I do not know if the Washington Post, which wrote about this, also wrote about uh, uh, Louis Farrakhan referring to Jews as termites. I do not know if they've written about Congressman Andre Carson of Indianapolis or Congressman Jamal Bowman. Oh, the Jamal Bowman stuff. I shared it with with you earlier. I mean, this is just so, this is so stunning. And I've heard what was said here this evening before that by me calling for a ceasefire with my colleagues and centering humanity, I am uplifting deeply what it actually means to be Jewish. Because I'm centering the way in which God wants us to live with each other. So I feel grateful to be standing here. I don't take lessons on what it is to be Jewish from Jamal Bowman. I also don't take fire safety from Jamal Bowman. So you see, there's a couple of things Jamal Bowman cannot engage. But if you want to talk about cultural appropriation, holy crap, I really know what it means to be Jewish. Sit down, shut up, you yuts. Good Lord. Jews who support that, what is, what the hell is wrong with you? The vermin conversation. Calling people vermin is about dehumanizing. That is what it's about. But we have been witness to the past years of the dehumanizing of the political right. Threat to democracy. Nope, it's not calling them vermin. It is the equivalent concept. Um, they, the, 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 the political right is, is trying to keep you from voting. They'll put you all back in chains. Those kinds of comments and commentaries, they will push grandma off the cliff, which is what they said of Paul Ryan, the former Speaker of the House. The left has been engaging in this type of rhetoric for years. Different language, the same effect. Don't ask me to excoriate Donald Trump when the people who do this somehow think that they are uh, inured by it or, or immune to it. We want to sit here and excoriate Donald Trump. I don't think you should call people vermin. Just like I don't think you should call Jews termites. Just like I don't think you should do any of this stuff. But the left is is remarkable at their unwillingness to see in themselves their own issues. When we talk about anti-Semitism and you talk about Charlottesville 
and the, the guys with the tiki torches. Jews will not replace us. We don't want to replace you. Who wants to be you? We're doctors. Well, not all of us. Some of us became radio hosts. My brother's a doctor. Trust me, my mother likes to remind me. I, we, we don't want to be you. We have no interest in being you. But if you'll bring up that and you won't bring up all of the Jew hatred, including Jews being physically attacked on the streets right now, you're not serious. It was all just wordplay to you, something to utilize to win elections. You don't actually care about people at all. So I take with massive grains of salt the left's anger about the use of the word vermin. But I'm not so sure that things like that do not have some level of connection to a negative. If you argue that the political left is dangerous, I agree. The political left is tolerant of intolerance. The political left is so desperate to destroy their political enemies that they will align themselves with people who are destructive to Western culture and Western civilization. And I take that as the political left is destructive of Western culture and Western civilization. They simply are not interested in a level of survival and a style of survival that you and I are. And that absolutely they are a threat. That the thing they claim that others are doing, they are doing. You talk about going after your political enemies. Look what you're doing to Trump right now. They are saying it while they're doing it. And so we're clear, of course it was going after your political enemies. Of course it was. This isn't debate. These are the facts as presented. You could have engaged indictments anytime. You did it to interfere with an election. You went after him in New York to try and destroy him because you don't like him regarding his businesses, even though Trump's businesses have offered more and provided more to the people of New York than Letitia James and Kathy Hochul and Andrew Cuomo ever have, ever. Include Bill de Blasio in that and a whole series of Democrats. Trump has done more for the city. This isn't a debate. The numbers tell the tale. Vermin doesn't play well. And vermin will add one more thing to those people who are like, oh, please don't make me vote for Trump. Don't make me vote for Trump. I don't want to vote for Trump. Nah. And then uh, and you're giving them reason. I don't think you should give them reason. I think that if you're discussing the communists, the Marxists, the fascists, and the radical thugs, I, I think that you've done enough. It's about a little bit of self-editing to get the most bang for the buck and not give people a reason to think otherwise. That's what I think is valuable, and that's what right now is very much missing from Trump. It's like he's not even trying to grab that middle. When we talk about the Politico piece that says, yeah, um, Joe Biden can't do this. Joe Biden is not capable. Quote, he simply does not have the capacity to do it, meaning the job of president. Quote, and his staff doesn't even try, doesn't trust him to even try, as they make clear by blocking him from the press. This is all accurate. But Politico continued with the increasingly likely possibility that this will be a multi-candidate election and Biden at risk of being denied the nose-holding votes he needs from independents and pre-Trump Republicans. The president's margin for error is nil. Now, they're making an argument that uh, he should leave the ticket for the sake of the country. 
That's what they're saying. He shouldn't run. But I want to go to those nose holders. Those nose holding votes he needs. Why would we accept as a de facto that there are nose holding votes for Biden, but not for Trump? And why do the ardent Trump supporters not accept political realities? Not everybody likes the man. He's not as popular as you think. But Tony, the poll numbers, the poll numbers are in the Republican Party only. Well, there are polls that show him beating Biden in a head-to-head. Wait till they get another option. And wait until the nose holders say, I just can't do this anymore. You tell me that's never going to happen. I tell you that you are a child who isn't willing to take a look at the reality in front of you. Yes, it can happen. Why don't we do something about this? Do you think for a second that I don't think that if Trump should regain the presidency, that we have to clean house in the DOJ and the FBI and in the State Department? We have to clean house. I have made this argument. I'm only angry he didn't do it then. And I'm not so sure he's going to do it again. There's much more a talk than action thing going on. I'm willing to be made happy. If he does it, if he was president, that'd be great. I'm just saying he hasn't shown the willingness. That's reality from the first term. Why? Why not engage in conversations that allow you the most opportunity for voters, that allow you the most opportunity for growth. And why, when I bring this up, do people act like somehow that's a problem? The part of the problem of the Trump acolyte is the belief that you must accept everything. Everything Trump says is good. Everything Trump does is genius. It is not true. It is not the facts. It is a silly Silly thing to say. My problem is, is that Trump says silly things and it doesn't help. I want Trump to help himself. I want Trump to build a coalition. I do not want him to give anybody any opportunity to not build coalition, to not build opportunities. Because what if he's the nominee? I got to get what I got to get. The best I possibly can. And you should want this for Trump to get the best he possibly can. You don't hear that. Everything the man says is fine and everybody else is is just uh, too, too weak and too scared. Does this sound totally fine to you? So we have to be careful. You got to get out there. You got to watch those voters. You don't have to vote. Don't worry about voting. The voting, we got plenty of votes. You got to watch election. We've got plenty of votes. What the hell kind of talk is this? This goes back to October, about a month ago. If there are nose holders for Biden, you got to give them a reason, even with Trump, to cross. Don't push those people away. I'm offering practical political advice. Just take it. Why are you fighting me? Trump is a better choice than Biden. Trump is not as popular across the country as the ardent Trump supporter thinks. 
And I question whether Trump is as popular within the Republican Party. And that's why I take a look at the polls. I say, ah, and I say, bring on Iowa. The Iowa caucuses will tell us what's what. If you say to me, well, Tony, the problem is you're just a little bit everywhere and you're not, you're not coming down hard on a, on a candidate. What are you talking about? If you ask me if Trump is my first choice, he's not. If Trump is my only choice, he is. <laughs> there. Good Lord. Don't confuse the issues. Explaining well the political landscape and the issues at play and where he has opportunity and where he's hurting himself, that's kind of what we do here. I wish Trump wouldn't hurt himself. But we're going to find out whether or not this applies to the Republican primary when Iowa comes around. This is Tony Katz today. They're gathering in Washington, D.C. to march to show that A, anti-Semitism is nonsense, and B, that Israel has the right to exist. Why should only the Jew haters get to march, huh? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I didn't go, um, and there is a part of me that regrets it. I probably should have gone. I, like, I got to do the work. I want to be able to share these conversations. I'm not going to be able to broadcast from there. I should have gone. I should have. But... Uh, I I will keep talking. I will keep being a a voice for sure. Uh, I I will have full updates on what took place uh, from that march. But don't forget, you know, the them, these people who are angry and hateful, they're very loud. There's more of us. I just got to hope that there's more of us. We got to survive. And so we got to get loud ourselves. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.